Welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. We have two guests with us today, uh, Dan Knight and Tracy Anderson, who are uh, owners of Anderson Knight Architect. They also were our 2022 Small Business of the Year at the Chamber, and so thrilled to have both of you guys here. Welcome to the Think MHK podcast. Thank you. Thanks. So we always ask people to, to start by telling us a little bit about their, themselves and how they ended up in Manhattan. So uh, Dan, you want to start and just kind of talk about how you ended up here? Like most people, no, not most people, came to Manhattan to go to K-State. A lot of people came to Manhattan to yeah. go to K-State. Yeah. Back in 1981, got a job with a local architecture firm my junior year. Uh, I actually studied in architectural engineering and graduated in that. Uh, so I was a little bit of an oddball in that most people that go to that degree go into engineering mechanical, electrical, structural engineering. Uh, but since I worked for a local architect and they offered me a job after I graduated, I stayed. I obviously fell in love with Manhattan when I was a student. Had had a lot of fun, probably too much fun. Yeah, we've like heard most, those stories like too. most people. Yeah, we've so, heard those stories too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got married like a year or sem semester before I graduated. Just basically built a life here. Uh, worked for that firm oh, until 1998. And then I actually went and taught at K-State in the Architectural Engineering Construction Science Department for five years and then joined Tracy basically not quite a year, maybe nine months or so after he started the firm. Tracy, how about you? Uh, I came here in 1982 because my mom said K-State had a great architecture department. 1982 to 1989, you can do some math there and know that I stretched my education out a couple extra years and just enjoyed it so much you decided to hang around. Yep, that's exactly right. And yeah, I, I kind of uh, just fell in love with Manhattan as a student. Um, really, the thing I always tell people is I spent my first summer here in, I think, 1987, if I remember right. And I thought, this is the place I want to be. So I've been here ever since. So where are you both from? I'm from uh, Lenexa, Overland Park area is where I grew up. Dan, how about you? Originally Salina. Born and raised Kansans. So it sounds like you all went to college together, which is something that, that I didn't know. We did not know each other. Oh, yeah. you didn't know each other. Nope. Two mm -hmm. separate departments. But you've ended up in business together. So talk a little bit about um, Anderson Knight. I also worked at the same architecture, local architecture firm that Dan did. Uh, we worked together at uh, BBN for quite a few years uh, before he left. And then ultimately, I left a few years later. So, so talk a little bit about your business. Uh, yeah, in 2002... Rightly or wrongly, I decided I needed to spread my wings and went out on my own and actually sort of partnered up with another former coworker from uh, Brent's office, uh, Tracy Reynolds, who was out in Durango, Colorado at this time. And uh, we just sort of teamed up, started the company, went to Durango and worked some there and then came home and worked some here. And Dan had reached out to us. We'd all stayed in contact with each other and said, hey, can I join you guys in uh, the spring of 20, 2003? A little bit of a nasty business divorce from our partner in Durango, but that all got taken care of and we've just been growing the business ever since. So, so you just celebrated 20 years, is that right? That's correct. October 2022. That's quite an accomplishment. So what are some of the bigger projects that people might associate with Anderson Knight? Well, I guess first and foremost, the one that started construction in Aggieville, Midtown. 
at 12th and Laramie. Uh, also under construction at 14th and Laramie, south of Burger King. Uh, that's our project. Uh, other than that, projects that are finished, people see the Bluemont Hotel, uh, the 12B Lofts just to the east of that, uh, the both rec centers uh, on the middle school additions. Uh, one that people don't really realize, but Manco Windows, we've done work for them from their inception. Uh, so every all the additions you see over there, we always do for them. The Riley County Shops, uh, when they moved out of town, we did that work. Uh, Firehouses 3 and 5, uh, which Firehouse 3 is over on Amherst and Firehouse 5 is out in Grand Mere. That's a beautiful fire. That's probably the prettiest firehouse I've ever seen. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> City Park Pool, USD 383. Uh, the previous bond issue before this one, we did the Amanda Arnold and Theodore Roosevelt editions and remodels. Uh, USD 378 Riley County, done all of their work for 20 plus years. USD 384 Blue Valley Randolph had a bond a few years ago. We did that work for them. We've done, of course, our building on Anderson, 2505 Anderson. That's our office building. People always just call it the big glass box building. That has the Santa Claus. Yep. Yeah. With yeah. The, yep. the huge Where Santa Claus Santa on it Claus. every Christmas. Yep. And uh, there's, of course, numerous ones locally. We've, we've done work in Wichita, Liberty, Missouri, Aurora, Colorado, even down in Birmingham, Alabama. So it's we, we work around here a lot, but we work everywhere. And you guys have grown quite a bit over the last, even just the last few years. I know you've added staff people. And is there any, just additional business or expanded markets or what's been some of the? I think just you know, sort of growth to the point where we're like, this is getting overwhelming and we need to, to bring on new talent. And like any firm, we, you know, we grew in the early 2000s and sort of plateaued. And then we uh, lost a few people and when we got a few of them back. And um, I'd, I'd say from 2017 to now, it's just been nice, steady sort of incremental growth and kind of the way we like it. So Tracy, I've had opportunity to interact with you more than than uh, Dan because you serve on our board and you're involved in some of our activities. And I know you're one of the more uh, optimistic people about the future of Manhattan. So so this question is for both of you, but but specifically to Tracy, because I've heard you talk about this before. What is it about Manhattan that gives you optimism about our future? I think it's just a lot of uh, a lot of different things coming together. But, you know, probably primarily it's that we have several entities that are all trying to uh, grow Manhattan. You know, I mean, the chamber obviously being one. I feel like the city wants the community to grow. And and there's others. Um, there's lots of uh, businesses locally that obviously participate in a lot of things. And, you know, some of the reason we do some of our, uh, what we kind of call dream casting, just throwing ideas and visions out there. I know at the Leaders Retreat, you know, we heard some negatives about K-State's growth and stuff like that. But I also feel like they're making earnest efforts to try to, you know, sort of regrow the university to a certain degree. And it, and, and then it just simply boils down to, <laughs> it's a great place. And I, I've, I've, for years and years, have tried to figure out, you know, like, what is the one thing you can say? And I don't know if there is just one, but for me, Manhattan, it, it really boils down to just the people. I mean, everybody to me, I think, is just really friendly and accommodating and it's fun to be fun to be here. Dan, how about you? Any extra thoughts on that? I don't want to say too many positive things because then more people will move here. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We, we, we don't want the growth, obviously. You, you grow or die, right? So we, we want growth. We want it to be steady and sustainable growth, though. 
I, like a lot of people, want to not be reliant upon K-State or Fort Riley. We need to make Manhattan itself sustaining, uh, encourage more business manufacturing. It, it is a great place. I mean, I didn't want to leave once I came to school. Uh, my wife is a New Jersey transplant. Uh, she ended up getting her mother out here, and then she ended up getting her father and his wife out here to retire. So, you know, it's it's a great place. Uh, I've got some military friends that have retired here uh, just because it's just a, a great place for everybody to relax and have fun, and it's just a great community. Yeah, you know, growth is so important, and I'm, I never – I miss the opportunity when we get a chance to talk about growth in the podcast to to hit on a couple things. And, you know, Dan, some of the things you said remind me of what they always say about Austin, Texas, that everyone everyone wants to move to Austin but wants to close the door behind them um, because they have had uh, probably uh, unmanageable growth in a lot of instances, or at least they haven't managed it well um, as part of that process. I think I think we're in a unique position that we can manage it well. Um, I don't know that there's anyone, and certainly not me or any of our team, that wants to grow like that, right? Where it just becomes unmanageable. But there is any reason we shouldn't be able to grow one to two percent a year, and uh, which is, I think, fairly healthy. It's what we did at Lincoln, and I think Lincoln had a fairly healthy uh, economy. And uh, the problem is, for a variety of reasons, including as you mentioned, the loss of students and the loss of loss of soldiers, we had a pretty tough. Uh, decade from 10 to 20. Uh, all that being said, we still grew 2%. Now, unfortunately, not 2% a year, 2% for 10 years. And that's not sustainable. I mean, we need to grow uh, more than that. But uh, I certainly think 1% to 2% um, in terms of jobs, population, and then and then see that kind of growth in average wages uh, for families is, is, is healthy and allows us to, to continue to to grow our community and add amenities and, and allows the government to continue to operate without raising taxes, but without having to cut services. And so that's why I appreciate you all very much because your, your firm is very pro growth and, and, and in a very intelligent, smart way. And, and, uh, so I appreciate uh, your thoughtfulness on that issue. So you touched on this a little bit, but what, what do you think makes you, you said it's kind of hard to calculate, but what do you think ma- makes Manhattan a special place to live? Yeah, I, I do think it really ultimately boils down to the people, but um, I also like, you know, the setting. It's a, it's a beautiful setting in the heart of the Flint Hills. And, uh, you know, as a, as a fairly avid outdoor person running, biking and stuff like that, I don't know. I, and I've raced in a lot of places all over the country, and I don't know too many places where I can jump on my bike and literally be out on country roads within 10 or 15 minutes and have hundreds of miles of roads to at my, you know, at my feet to pedal. So from that standpoint, to me, it's super special, but um, just the beauty of the area makes it special too. So I agree. Dan, how about you? Well, before I comment on that, I just have to add that Tracy's such an avid biker. He and a friend of his last year rode every single street in Manhattan over how many days? 35 hours. 35. (laughs) Yikes. That's a lot of biking. So it was. (laughs) I know our our mutual friend, Ben Siegel, has said he had a goal at one point of running every street in Manhattan, but I think it was going to take him longer than 35 hours. He did it over months. I decided that's what gave me the idea to do it on bike. Like, I'm just going to knock it out all at once. Okay. 
<laughs> that's 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 quite an accomplishment. Yeah, but I would just have to mirror what Tracy said. It's mostly the people here that you know you're you're it's down to earth, wholesome, mostly honest people. So it just boils down to that. And of course, yeah, it's just the the atmosphere with K State here provides you know some venues like McCain. Uh, that you get people coming into venues that you, if we didn't have K-State, they probably wouldn't bother coming here. So that's also very nice. I, I think it's interesting, the terrain comment. Um, I always say we are the beneficiary of low expectations because <laughs> when we um, are are hosting a business or some individuals may be considering a job and they think of Kansas, they think of flat, right? And they fly in and go, wow, this is beautiful. And and so you get that immediate boost in in their sort of how they feel about their visit. And uh, and so we can take advantage of, of that because people are in a good mood right away. So it's great. Uh, both of you are entrepreneurial and, and you're entrepreneurs. Uh, if you had one piece of advice for someone interested in starting a business, what would that be? Be willing to take a risk. Uh, it's very scary starting a business, uh, leaving something that you're comfortable in, you're, you're making a good living at. Uh, so it involves risk. It's just, and everybody has a different level of risk that they're willing to take. I was more risk averse than my wife at trying new things, ventures, business ventures, that kind of thing. Uh, and so she taught me how to be less risk averse. That has helped me a lot. Uh, but that would be the piece of advice to tell people is like, just it's a, it's a risk, but make sure it's a calculated risk. And the, the attitude that I have is Okay, so what if it all goes wrong? What's the worst that can happen? I'll have to go back to my old job or find another steady job working for someone instead of for myself. Well, it helps that, that you're you're in certainly in a career that's in demand, so it makes the risk a little little less challenging, but not but not in, inconsequential. So True. I think that's great advice, Tracy. How about you? Yeah, I would just you know add to that that. Uh, find find a good support network, um, and that can be through things like the chamber, or it can just be through, you know, you're gonna probably need an accountant. So find one that believes in what you're doing. You're probably gonna need some legal advice. So find somebody that believes in what you're doing, and just surround yourself with that support network. Do your best. That's good advice. I would add a banker to that. I think yes, everybody needs yes, a good banker as well. Um, so you all were recognized by the chamber this year, as I mentioned earlier, as the small business of the year, and, and we presented that at our annual awards uh, luncheon. What did winning that award mean to you? I think it was just uh, almost a really nice sense of validation for us as a firm that we've sort of put ourselves out there. We've put a lot of you know, visions out there and maybe some of them are crazy, maybe some of them are okay, but getting that recognition just sort of validated for us that, you know, hey, maybe that was a good thing to do. And uh, I mean, for me. Oh, it's, yeah, it's nice to be recognized. We, I personally have a hard time accepting praises or anything positive, like somebody says, hey, you did a good job. I mean, I'll, there's certain things that's easy to take that in, but uh, it, but it means a lot when the the community recognizes you. It, it really does. So it's very yeah, and uh, and other businesses, and we've we've heard people say that to be recognized by the business community for some achievement in your business means right. means a lot too. Um, you, you're very engaged in the chamber. Why why is that important to Anderson Knight? Uh, I think it just brings a sense of connectivity, and uh, you know, obviously there's there's sort of the standard networking opportunities and things like that. But it's just, 
at a deeper level, it's getting to know, uh, you know, what all the chamber does and, and, um, is involved in and, and understanding that role and how, you know, the chamber works with other organizations. And, um, so it's, it's, uh, and I'll even admit when we first started, we probably weren't even thinking like, gosh, do we even need to really belong to the chamber and all that stuff? Because we didn't understand, we didn't dive in enough to understand. And thankfully we eventually did. And, um, you know, really get it now. Yeah. And we see, and we see a lot of your staff there. Yeah. So you not, yeah. not just the two of you, but you, you have staff that. Yeah. We definitely well. promote it within the office. And, and I think we've tried to instill that in all the, all the folks that are going to succeed Dan and I, um, in the company that it's important to stay involved and, and to, um, keep pushing the community. Cause it goes back to what Dan was saying about growth. You know, we're either growing or we're dying and I don't like the latter. So Dan, anything else on top of that? They don't, well, they don't teach you, you know, business development in school, right? It's just not a priority for in them. our program. <laughs> and, yeah. And well, there might be some courses that I'm not aware of, but they don't I think the business school probably has those. But yeah, yeah, they, they, they definitely do. do yeah. but, but most architects don't, don't get there. dual degrees, right? <laughs> so we kind of start out by the skin of our teeth and just fly by night kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, once you, you know, get involved in the community and in events, you get to know people, the more people, you know, networking, and that's a big part of it, but it's not just that. We appreciate your involvement and, uh, Tracy, you're on the board. So is it, how's that, what's that experience been? Uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and maybe even similar to what I just previously said, I, you know. I think when I joined or when I was invited to be on the board, I didn't fully understand what that all meant. And uh, over the past two or three years now, however long that has been, truly getting to see all the different uh, items that are brought up and discussed. And, you know, just recently, you know, the whole thing with Parks and Rec at the city, I would have never thought that become a chamber topic too. And then, you know, we had Mike Matson uh, moderate the evening. So just seeing all the involvement that the chamber does actually get into and being a part of that uh, has really been eye-opening for me and obviously very educational for me um, and helping me understand, you know, maybe even future leadership opportunities as as I continue to try to be involved in things. Yeah. So It's interesting you, you bring up Parks and Rec and I've I've said this many times publicly, but uh, in the four years that I've been here, it's the number one uh, amount of phone calls that I've received on an issue. Oh, really? Uh, you know, it just people are very passionate about it. And from an employer standpoint, what we heard, and I mean major employers in the community that said their employees were concerned about it to the point that that they said it would decrease their quality of life and that they they would look for other places to live where their kids could could do those things. And so, um, so that's why we were involved in it because our employers are saying this is important to us. So those are the kind of things that, that we have to evaluate. And, uh, but it was, it was most phone calls I'd ever received on a, on an issue in the four years I've been here. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's been interesting for me to see that it's, it's not just, oh, we're trying to attract business X to come here. It's much more broad reaching than that. So we're going to move to the uh, infamous rapid fire section of the interview. And, and normally we ask 10 questions, but we've divided this up. Tracy, you're on top. So okay. we're going to start with you. Uh, and you've, we've got five questions here to ask you. So describe your perfect day. 
just about any, well, any day hiking in the mountains would be my perfect day. What job did you want as a kid? Uh, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a race car driver and a stuntman until I wanted to become an architect. I didn't, I didn't realize you were so danger uh, prone, like looking for, <laughs> looking for danger. What was your first job? Uh, my first job was actually delivering the uh, Kansas City Star and Times when it had paper every single day and Monday through Friday it had two papers a day. Where is the coolest place you've traveled? Uh, I'll probably use a, a recent one. Um, last year, we went to Peru and actually hiked the Inca Trail, uh, which is a four-day hike up to Machu Picchu. How was that? that oh, sounds... it, was, it was absolutely phenomenal. Highly would recommend it. Uh, do you prefer working remotely or in the office? Uh, personally, I like to be in the office because I like the interaction with everybody. However, if I really need to concentrate on something, I like removing myself from that atmosphere and just concentrating. I, I understand that. So, okay, Dan, now it's your five. Uh, going back to one that we asked Tracy, what was your first job? Uh, worked for a farm implement dealership in Salina, basically a warehouse guy. Particular brand or just? Uh, no, it was a company. It was called Cisco. They were kind of just a, a you know buy from manufacturers and sell to middleman. So same as Tracy, do you prefer remote or in the office? Definitely in the office. Uh, just as with our industry, our job, you, you have to basically teach at the same time you're learning. It's hard to do that remotely. Um, how do you deal with work stress? Uh, luckily, I live just outside of town on the other side of Keats. So that 10-minute drive home with that scenery just lets me decompress and just kind of forget about things on the way home and step through the door and I'm done. That's a good way to do it. What advice would you give the 19-year-old you? Don't sell your 1970 Torino 429 Super Cobra Jet Twister Special. <laughs> you know, I think we've heard multiple, multiple times that has been brought up about don't sell the car that you – mine was a 71 Mustang uh, that I sold when I was 20, so I'm, I'm hearing you. Um, okay, first and favorite concert, so that's two – Two different, two different ones. First it concert, could be, it could be one. But, sure, no, yeah. that's fine. First concert was Van Halen. I've uh, seen Van Halen; they're very good. Yeah, when I was in high school, they were down there, just north of Wichita. Was that the David Lee Roth Van Halen? That was David Lee Roth Van Halen, where he was imbibing before the concert and maybe forgot the words to one of the songs. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> favorite concert was uh, Rush. They're yeah. they're my favorite band. I finally got to see them in concert. At, the amphitheater just this side of Kansas City, the outdoor amphitheater. It keeps changing names, but it was, I think it was Cricket at the time or something. But Yeah, I regret I never got to see them. And, uh, of course, it's been now with Neil passing. It's right. never going to because it won't be the same. It doesn't matter if they oh, have anybody in there exactly. without Neil. So. Well, cool. Guys, thanks for joining us at Thank MHK Podcast. And, and uh, thanks for all, your, all you do for the chamber and, and the time that you give us. And look forward to working with you for years to come. Yeah, you bet. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.